0: It's a Monday in Southern California. It's Super Bowl week in Arizona, and who wants to talk NFL football? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We welcome you to bonus coverage of the Super Bowl and all stories NFL. John Riley is with us here in our San Diego studio. We've been waiting the big game, and this is as big as it gets, as good as it gets. And, John, we got a ton of NFL topics off the table and off the field to talk
1: about, too. Yeah, I mean, we got Super Bowl hype week, Super Bowl prep week. We've got a revolving door of coaches, a revolving door of players. I mean, we're just loaded today. All
0: right, before we get started... Let's introduce you to something that we put as part of our podcast every week. It's called Fans Forum. We want you, if you're watching us on live stream, to join us and co-host. Ask a question, get an answer. John, how do people do that? And then also explain how do they subscribe to the all new expanded podcast data that we're putting on almost every day of the week?
1: Yeah, so you can get involved in the fans forum just on the live stream on either Facebook or YouTube. Type in your question or comment for Hacksaw. We'll see it up on our screen. We'll get you involved, get Hacksaw's reaction or whatever you want to put on the table. And at the same time, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, as well as subscribe on YouTube and click on that bell on YouTube you'll get updates whenever we drop a new live stream or any of these video clips that we've been dropping all throughout the week, all this bonus content that we're sharing on the Lee Hacksaw Hamilton YouTube channel.
0: And a reminder, if you like sports, you need to check my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. It's all written. You give me five minutes, I'll give you every story there is in the world of sports. You can check it in the evening It'll be there uh, the following morning, too. All right, John, let's talk about Super Bowl week. Let's talk about stuff as we get ready to go towards Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, these teams must be in the the game room there, on the whiteboard, mapping out all of their plays. I mean, they're trying to come up with a way maybe to contain Mahomes, the Eagles' defense, trying to figure that out. I mean— What do you think is going on in that QB room?
0: Well, they both arrived in Phoenix last night. Kansas City came in first. Philadelphia came in about a half hour later. Uh, They're going through closed practices. They already have installed their offenses and their defensive game plans. They will then go through practices, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fairly intense. Thursday will be media day. Uh, then they'll have coaches will meet with the media on Friday, and then they go into shutdown mode and get ready for the game on Sunday. The big storyline during the bye week was how many of these injured players get back on, on the field to practice, and they have not. Kansas City has now officially lost wide receiver Mikel Hardman. He's been put back on injured reserve. He won't play reinjured a groin They did activate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who had been a starting running back, has been in and out with injuries all season long. In fact, his whole career has been pockmarked by injuries. He is active on the roster, but I don't know that he's going to get very much playing time with the emergence of of the rookie Isaiah Pacheco, who's given him phenomenal physicality in the run game, and Jairus McKinnon, who can catch the ball in the backfield and has become a really accomplished blitz blocker, so I don't know if Hilaire gets, gets a chance to to play much come Super Bowl Sunday. The wide receiver problems are still there. Hardman is gone. Juju Schuster-Smith has hardly practiced, at least did not practice all of this last week. He's an integral part in terms of big body catching balls down the field and also an integral part in blocking for Pacheco on, on Blocks at the second level, he has hardly practiced. Marcus Scantling is practicing finally, uh, and then the last receiver, Kadarius Tony, has not gotten back on the field yet. I don't know whether or not he's going to be ready to play Super Bowl Sunday. So there's some iffy questions there as it relates to the three wide receivers. Because if you remember, John, in the AFC championship game, they were asking for volunteers in the fourth quarter <laughs> to were. catch Patrick Mahomes' passes. Mm-hmm. So that's where Kansas City is from a health standpoint. Philadelphia's Lane Johnson, their best offensive lineman, has hardly practiced at all. He's had ongoing injury problems. He's a warrior. I'm sure he will play Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't know about Landon Dickerson. And the right guard who starts next to Lane Johnson, Dickerson, had some significant elbow problems. Maybe a hyperextension was not a dislocation. But I think if he practices this week, they'll brace it up and he'll probably be able to play. So that's really the storyline uh, at the end of last week who was not on the field versus who was ready and now this week they just go through their final walkthroughs and in the installment of the game plan and off we're running it's it's going to be fun philadelphia is the favorite by i think a point and a half in this game but i think these two teams are so balanced and these two teams are so dangerous and these teams are so
1: explosive your response well Given that this, if they've played, um, what, 17 games in the regular season, they've each played two playoff games. So this is the 20th game, right, of the year. I mean, these guys, even though some of them are coming back to health, they still have to be, you know, a lot of bruises, a lot of like worn out muscles. I mean, so they're not going in fresh for this game. They're just going to try to be as fresh as they can be.
0: I think it's going to be fascinating because there will be surprises at 3.30 West Coast time on Super Bowl Sunday. What does Kansas City do from a formation standpoint? I have no doubt Kansas City is going to come out with some different looks that we have never seen before. Oh, yeah. You know, whether that's Tra- Travis Kelsey lining up as a wide receiver, whether it's moving Pacheco or McKinnon into the slots, they're going to do some things that Andy Reid had never unveiled before. And in terms of Philadelphia, I think probably much the same. Now, they're not going to be moving people to different positions, but I think Philadelphia, uh, to to create matchup problems is going to be doing unique things with motion because when you put your guys in motion that changes the whole concept of what the defense is doing and maybe they're a half step slow to react. So look look to see early in the game if there are suddenly some real Different matchup things that, or formations that we never saw before, because that's what two weeks of Super Bowl prep is all about. Okay, let's go from there because we got a ton of other topics off the field to talk about. And a reminder Thursday, our regular podcast. Super Bowl preview. We will break down specifics. Kansas City versus Philadelphia. Eagles versus Chiefs. That'll be on Thursday afternoon's
1: podcast. But off the field, where do we go? Okay, so Sean Payton is now installed as the head coach with the Broncos. You know, people are joking is that the donkeys are no longer the donkeys. So what do you think is going to happen with Denver now that Payton's there?
0: I think it changes the whole, as your headline alludes to, the AFC West landscape. I'm waiting for you to look at that (laughs) storyline Uh, Obviously, Kansas City has owned the division. The Chargers think they're close. Denver has now become a reality in the AFC West. Raiders have a lot of ground to make up now because the Raiders don't have a quarterback. Sean Payton goes to Denver and inherits Russell Wilson. He will coach him hard. It will be a different relationship, that quarterback and this head coach, than any of the head coaches he's had before. That's item one. He inherits an offense that's going to get its star left tackle, Grant Bowles, back from knee surgery. Javante Williams, the superstar physical running back, back from knee surgery. And the three young wide receivers led by Jerry Judy, who could not stay on the field because they were always injured. They'd make a big play, have a big game, get hurt. He gets all those guys back healthy, and he inherits the number one defense. That's pretty good. Now, things have really changed in Denver. Holy cow. He walked into that building like a hurricane. They fired the training staff. They dismissed the strength staff. He's bringing his own people with him. This was part of the agreement when he said, "Okay, I don't have to be the general manager and director player personnel, but you're going to give me control of everything in that building. He's already started. I think there's going to be roster changes, too, along the way. His first meeting with the team, followed by his first meeting with the media in Denver, was just amazing. I am the law. That was the phraseology as he introduced himself to the media. Wow. I am the law. What I say is non-negotiable. Russell Wilson had his own personal trainer and his own quarterback consultant As part of his entourage in the building, Sean Payton's response, our building, our staff, they're not part of what we do. They're out. Wow. Russell Wilson has already agreed to that. Uh, In addition, discipline and accountability. You will answer to me on the field what we call to make you play better, but you will be accountable for doing what we tell you to do. Strong stuff coming out of the mouth of Sean Payton. In addition, waiting for him to hire his coordinators. If I were a betting man, I think his offensive coordinator is going to be the guy the Chargers just fired, Joe Lombardi. Huh. Makes a lot of sense because Lombardi was in New Orleans for eleven years, mm. a large chunk of it with Sean Payton. And in terms of defensive coordinator, they're trying really hard. Uh, to get Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who is a real defensive guru, uh, is on the Pittsburgh Steelers staff right now as linebacker coach. But Flores is interviewing with the Arizona Cardinals, a second interview. So I don't know whether they're going to be able to get him. But if they get Lombardi, who's locked in step with everything Peyton does in terms of offensive philosophy, formation schemes, they get Lombardi and they get Brian Flores. That's a hell of a staff of smart people. So... That's what's going on in Denver. It's not been very quiet in Denver, uh, the first couple of days of Sean Payton being
1: in the building. What's your reaction? I mean, that's unbelievable. I am the law. So he's not <laughs> pulling any punches here. And it's non negotiable. It is non negotiable. So this this is great. So you're talking about the relationship between Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. But you know, Wilson came from from the, the Seattle, you know, and he had a great relationship with the head coach there. I mean, how are those two head coaches different?
0: Well, Pete Carroll's a defensive guru, mm-hmm. so he had subordinates that ran the offense, and they had some success, and they had failures, and they dra- did not draft very well, and they were going through transition, and Russell Wilson got the hell beat out of him. He's playing for an offensive coach. He's playing for what I call a bright light. Mm. Uh, this is the interesting relationship, but after the misery of last year, where Russell Wilson threw only 16 passes, uh, touchdowns, and they were the worst offensive team in modern-day NFL football, this has to be a breath of fresh air, and he knows Sean Payton's track record. And Sean Payton's history is, I coach my quarterbacks hard. He can pick up the phone and call Drew Brees. And Brees, by the way, just raved about Payton's impact on Drew Brees' career. And he's mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's about to experience the same thing. So you're correct with the headline you created there. The <laughs> MC West
1: landscape, John, definitely changing. Yeah. Next topic. All right. So let's go down the table here. So... Again, all this carousel of players, this carousel of coaches. Um, D'Amico Ryans, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, is now in Houston. I mean, it's amazing. This is one of the hot, another one of the bright lights, but on the defensive side of the ball. Guys on a fast track, gets a head coaching job just like that. Now, he
0: played there, though. That's the unique thing. He's gone back home. He knows the ownership, the McNair family. Uh, now, he walks in the door, and he does not have the talent that some other coach like Sean Payton inherits. He walks in the door with no quarterback, one of the worst offenses in the NFL, does inherit a pretty good young defense. He also gets draft picks two, draft picks 12 first round they're going to have to go get a quarterback, and they're going to go get a quarterback. I don't know whether that quarterback is going to be the Alabama youngster, Rush Young, or whether it's going to be C.J. Stroud, or whether they're going to trade back and stockpile more assets. Let somebody else have one of those quarterbacks. We'll go get a multitude of players to try to fix the offense. Uh, but but he comes highly regarded, and San Francisco, what, what was their calling card this year? Defense. Going to beat the hell out of you. Yeah. We're going to— we're going to bang on you until you yell uncle. And I think that he'll, his philosophy is going to have immediate impact on a really young, athletic Houston defense who was pretty competitive. And then, obviously, they're going to go into free agency because they have cap space and go into free agency. And they're going to, through their draft picks, and maybe they stockpile more picks, they'll go get more offensive players. So, right guy, going home, familiar with the organization. So most everybody on canvas said really really good hire and he came he came out of nowhere as a candidate in a 12 month window he went from just an assistant and then a defensive coordinator to becoming a head coach so good for him
1: yeah, he's an impressive young man. So yeah, he's going to have a great opportunity there in Houston. But let's just say you're, you're in charge of the, uh, the Texans franchise, and you've got that number two pick. What are you going to do with that pick? Are you going to take one of those quarterbacks? Are you going to draft back uh, or slot back? Or are you going to take one of the quarterbacks? And which one do you think you're going to be able to get?
0: Well, I think we, we have to see what happens with Chicago, which holds the number one pick. They're not going to take a quarterback because they invested a lot of money in Justin Fields and he has to prove himself yet. But Chicago could be making phone calls and to anybody that needs a quarterback. You want number one? We'll trade you the number one pick. Uh, you give us your number one and you give us a number two or maybe a a two and a three or maybe a one this year and a one next year. Chicago is the one that really holds the cards as to what would happen. Uh, if Chicago drafts, and they need help everywhere, if Chicago drafts Alabama's linebacker, if Chicago drafts the top offensive lineman on the board, uh, if Chicago drafts a great wide receiver, then at number two, I think Houston takes whichever they think is the best quarterback. I tend to think it's a kid from Alabama mm-hmm. because he's played in a lot more big games. He is, he's part and parcel of what we see in the NFL now with this new wave of quarterbacks. can be a pocket passer, can move the pocket, can run, can create on the run. I'm not going to say he's Patrick Mahomes, but he shows some of those dimensions. So I, I would think that the Alabama quarterback has to be the lead guy. C.J. Stroud tailed off the second half of last season when he lost his running game at Ohio State and his numbers dropped, there's no doubt that he's a great player. I'm a little suspect, though, because Ohio State has had a lot of quarterbacks recently drafted, and I've not seen none of them develop into anything really special. So I don't know if the kids at Ohio State might be good athletes, but they excel because Ryan Day's system allows them to excel versus being a great talent who can go do everything. I think the Alabama quarterback, far and away, is the number one quarterback on the board. And he might be with the Houston Texans and D'Amico Ryans.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is an exciting time for that franchise. They got nowhere to go but up. But yeah, Alabama has produced a lot of really good quarterbacks. Even recently, Ohio State, you're right. They've struggled when they've gone to the next level. So um, things are changing in the NFL. On we go. Not all the jobs are filled yet. you got two more teams, John, looking for, looking for head coaches. These two teams are incredible because the Colts have been just the – we thought they were going to be good last year. With Matt Ryan, they turn into a disaster. They get Jeff Saturday as a coach kind of filling in. But then meanwhile, the Cardinals, we also thought were going to be good, but they kept collapsing. And they've collapsed two or three years in a row. Both teams now need a head coach. Well, I I think you only need to know about the
0: names of the head of the organizational chart to understand why they are where they are. Jim Irsay owns the Colts, and he's an impulsive guy who's a non-football guy. His father was the owner of the Baltimore Colts, and he was terrible. And he moved the franchise in the middle of the night to Indianapolis. Indy's been been really bogged down by injuries. I mean, they've lost all their offensive linemen. Uh, Their running back just had surgery over the weekend, Jonathan Taylor. So... It's just not the same team as we thought it might be just a couple of years ago. Arizona's owned by the Bidwells. Bill Bidwell, the original owner, was a horrible owner. And then finally he retired, and Michael Bidwell, the son, has taken over. And yeah, they've had some success, but then that was under Bruce Arians, and he's gone. Uh, Arizona situation, they obviously made a mistake uh, with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. That did not work out. They got to get this hire right. This hire would would take on the young quarterback Kyler Murray, who is a dynamic player, but keeps getting hurt and has never quite gotten to the level everybody thought he would. He's a great athlete, but it does not appear that he's a great student of the game. And I think if you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL, you got to be fanatical about being fanatical about film and study and and tapes and video and. Being in the room with the guys, uh, I don't get the sense that Kyler Murray is that. So that's a big issue there. Uh, they are conducting their final rounds. Indianapolis has interviewed 15 different people. Wow. But out there, out there in the ozone, is this c- constant rumor that Your Mercy wants to bring Jeff Saturday back. They were one in seven under Jeff Saturday, they lost 11 of their last 12 from Frank Reich to Jeff Saturday. Granted, they have draft picks and all that? So that, that's a strange storyline uh, because a lot of good names have gone off this board. In terms of uh, Arizona, second interview with Brian Flores, the ex-Miami Dolphins coach, second interview with uh, Lou Anaruo. The defensive coordinator, Cincinnati, he's not a household name, but obviously is impressed an awful lot of people with what Bengal football has become. I think those are the two finalists right now. You would think both these teams would want to get somebody with an offensive background, but that does not appear to be the way they're leaning. So I would think they're not, I don't think anybody hires anybody this week. I would think next Monday or next Tuesday, both those positions will be filled. But boy, I don't. I've been in the NFL a long time. I don't think I can trust anything that's linked to the last name Ursay or the last name Bidwell.
1: Yeah, I mean, it comes down to ownership all the time because the best franchises have the best owners. And it's not necessarily how much money they spend, but it's how they evaluate their general manager, their head coaching. Um, so the fact that Ursay is entertaining Jeff Saturday again, again, you know, that just shows you that this is why, the, you know, the Ursay family has made terrible choices over, you know, the decades. So um, it, you know, it's a shame for the fans in those two communities. Let's see if they can turn the corner but it's not looking good okay before we carry on
0: with more this is bonus coverage nfl football on our monday podcast a reminder our super bowl preview will be this coming thursday on live stream and john Tell all the new people on our live stream at this hour about Fans Forum and how to subscribe
1: to get information about what we're doing on our podcast. All right. You can subscribe on YouTube, but you can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all the platforms. And get involved in the Fans Forum. Type in your question or comment for Hacksaw on the live stream on either Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you involved. We'll have your question presented to Hacksaw and kind of have a community forum in the Fans Forum. And a reminder, check
0: my website if you've never sampled what I write. It's leehacksawhamilton.com. Ton of information. If you liked our sports talk shows the way we did them back in the day on 690 and 1090, guarantee you'll like my website.
1: Check it every Morning. All right, let's go from that. Let's go to quarterbacks. OK, so he finally retired. Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, after all the drama, I mean, there's a lot of rumors on where he might go after this in terms of his career. But let's let's break down the Brady saga.
0: I asked the question. You put it up there. What is there not to like about this guy? Social on social media has just been horrific in terms of criticizing this guy. This guy, 89,000-plus yards. This guy, 469 touchdowns. This guy, 251 career wins. This guy, seven Super Bowls. What's there not to like about Tom Brady? Is it the smirk? Is it his condescending approach to dealing with the average citizen? Is it the money? Is it the wins? Is it his linkage to Belichick in New England nobody likes? I don't understand it. Why would people be so derogatory now as he steps out of the NFL after 23 brilliant years? Here's the most amazing statistic. The toughest time of the year to play in the NFL is right now. Yeah. This guy threw 88 touchdown passes in 48 career playoff games. Think about that number. So like I say, what's there not to like about this guy? And now he's getting ready to go to Fox TV next season. As an analyst, we don't know who he's going to be slotted with, we're not quite sure how he'll be as a broadcaster, and people in social on social media are banging him on about that. Why don't people like Tom Brady? Please explain that to me, but unbelievable respect, and he played twenty three years in this league and had one major injury in twenty three years.
1: Yeah. I think what people always hate on whoever the top dog is, and they always try to tear him down. Right. And I know for me as a fan, at first it was Tom Brady who? And I'm like, hey, this Tom Brady guy's pretty good. Hey, Tom Brady's winning and he's winning too much. We don't want him anymore. And then she started hating on Tom Brady. And for me as a Niners fan, as a Montana guy, I was like, well, you know, Montana's still the GOAT. But now I'm saying... Brady's the goat. Brady is the greatest of all time. And so you kind of have to accept reality that this guy is the best and why should he be hating on him? I mean, there was a time there where everything was going his way. You know, he was winning Super Bowls. He was married to one of the world's greatest supermodels, had a wonderful family, making more money than God, both him and his wife. You know, obviously that that turned, uh, you know, that that one went sideways. But this guy, as a talent, you just have to, you know, tip your hat. This guy just earned the respect that he deserves.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if because he's the guy that made Belichick in New England famous and because Belichick in New England are held to great disdain, that's the reason. All right, let's go from that quarterback story to the next quarterback story.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the Raiders um, have this big decision to make with Derek Carr. You know, he had a really nice career for a while with Oakland, and then everything just went south. Well, the big issue is that they gave him,
0: Mark Davis, speaking as somebody that I don't think is a good owner, Mark Davis gave him a new contract that kicks in in mid-February for $40 million a year, a three-year package. Then they decide they're not going forward with that. Either they didn't think he could win enough, or they just felt this, that was way too much money. So they're facing a February 14th deadline. If he's on that roster February 14th, the new contract kicks in at $40 million per season, a large amount of it guaranteed, that that eats up uh, their salary cap. And they got all types of salary cap problems. So they decided to remove him from active status and would move him in the offseason. Well, as as the end of the season in January became the playoff season and now going to Super Bowl week, he's still there. And there's been no final decision Um. Uh, he dug his heels in. They asked him, the first thing they asked, can we take the February 14th deadline for the new contract to kick in and move it farther out? Move it into March or move it into April when the new business year begins? He said, no, the contract is the contract. And then, and then, then it came up, well, we're not going to let you dictate the terms of the trade. His response, that's fine. I'll become a free agent. And you can release me and I'll make my own deal. Oh, I said, Oh, no, no, no. Then they wanted draft pick compensation. He came back to them and said, You give us permission to talk to a team that we want to go to. And they said, No. <laughs> and he said, Well, you can't trade me. I have a no trade clause. Right. I'll kill any deal. So it really got uglier and uglier. At midnight on Friday night, John. They decided to grant him permission – there's a window, I don't know if it's seven days or till the 14th – to have his agent approach teams about trades. They would approach – I've been told it's the Washington Commanders and the Carolina Panthers. They would approach at least those teams and say, OK, these are the terms of the contract I agreed on. Do you want those, this contract or do we restructure it differently to help you with your salary cap? So if Derek Carr can come to an agreement with Ron Rivera in Washington or Frank Reich, the new coach in Carolina, on what the structure of the contract should be, he would then go to the Raiders and say, I will accept a trade to Washington or to Carolina. And then those two have to work out whatever the compensation is, whether it's a second-round pick, a third-round pick, or multiple mid-round picks. Well, I doubt seriously it's going to be number one uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good guy. He's been I think his career's been impacted by so many bad decisions made around him mm-hmm. while it was the Al Davis run franchise, then the Mark Davis run franchise and the John Gruden disarray and what happened with McDaniels this past year. I think he's a good human being who's been put in a really tough situation. That being said, his record is sixty nine and eighty. He doesn't have a lot of postseason games nor postseason wins. So, you know, a starting quarterback bears some of that responsibility. But it's been interesting to to see the dueling guns pointed in each other's direction here. It's, oh, no, we're not doing that. Well, if you're not doing that, I'm not doing this. And, and he holds the cards. He holds the leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, now, if they release him, then then he doesn't have bargaining power. He, he's not going to have a $40 million deal in Washington or Carolina to sign It'll be obviously for less money. Uh, so I, I think that the Raiders finally understood that they're not the power broker here and that Dirk Carr will, will be traded on his terms to his team because of the no-trade clause they gave him, lock, stock, and barrel. And then we'll see the Raiders getting some compensation back, and he gets a new lease on life. And I, if you're asking me which is a better place to go, Washington's got a better team because they've got a lot of offensive school people that have been incompetent at quarterback. Carolina's got a really smart coach, obviously, and Frank Reich, and they got high draft picks to use to go get more players around him. So it be fascinating to see what happens in the next 7 to 14 days.
1: Yeah, it seems like um, uh, Mark Davis and and Derek Carr are fighting like a, a boyfriend-girlfriend breakup. You know, it just gets petty, You know, they, and they start just kind of getting ticky-tacky about little things. This guy I've always thought was a legit talent. And you're right. He was always surrounded by a mess, you know, of, of, you know, all the chaos with Gruden, a lot of other players that didn't work out. I'm rooting for this guy because he's a West Coast guy. He's Fresno State. He's a Mountain West guy. So I'm hoping he lands in one of those two spots and can really resurrect his career. New guy, landing a new spot. I think there's a lot of positives to be gathered out of this. Let's talk about the Chargers. Oh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about this when it when the news broke last week about Kellen Moore coming. You know... Th- The Cowboys got rid of him. They were tired of him. Chargers picked him up almost immediately. And now, is he really going to be the solution to the problems that the Chargers have? Kellen Moore comes from the Dallas Cowboys. He, of course, played at Boise State. He got on a
0: fast track to being a a coach very, very quickly at a young age. Uh, In the last four years, they've had two years of injuries in Dallas to Dak Prescott. They've had two years in which the quarterback was healthy. And they were number one in yardage and number one in scoring in the two healthy years that he has. Uh, I I think he's a smart guy. I think he's kind of a cut from the same piece of cloth that Brandon Staley is in terms of creative juice. I've been very impressed with him. However, that being said, let's be realistic here, John. He does not have a heavy-duty running back like Ezekiel Elliott, which was one of the cornerstones of the Cowboy offense. And he does not have a maybe future Hall of Fame left tackle like Tyron Smith and all these other studs they've had in the offensive line. So he's not walking into the same roster that he had with the Dallas Cowboys. But it's a, his opening press conference was really impressive. He talked about speed is important. We need speed at each of these school positions. Chargers don't have speed. Mm -hmm. So they're going to change some pieces there to go get guys who can fly. It's all about mismatches. It's all about making the defense freak out, because they got to cover sideline to sideline. And if you go back and look at what Dallas has done, with their wide receiver core, with the running backs, throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the backside of the backfield, making you defend the whole sideline to sideline. It's interesting, and Everybody's eyes opened up when one of the statements he made was, we're going to take the best of Eric Coriel and the best of Bill Walsh's West Coast offense, and that's what we're going to run. And people went, wow, yeah, Yeah. you got to get the players to run it. Right. I don't think he's got the players right now, uh, outside of maybe Mike Williams and maybe an aging Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler to run what he wants to run. But smart guy, smart guy, good hire, got the deal done in less than 12 hours. That tells you how impressed Brandon Staley was with Kellen Moore. Now, they, in each of the last two summers, the Chargers and Cowboys have had joint practices, so there is a relationship. There was a knowledge of each other that goes back, because when you have joint practices, you have your your head coach get together with their coaches. And the coordinators talk about, okay, we're going to run this script of plays, and this is what we want to practice so you can defend it. And then the Chargers that tell them this is what we're running, et cetera. So there is there is a relationship that goes back a couple of years. But to hire somebody just like that with a snap of the fingers in less than 12 hours, they must have really been impressed with Kellen Moore. So he's going
1: to have a lightning bolt on his shirt next year. Well, it's interesting that he wants speed at all the skill positions. Um, And and then you've got, you know, like the old guy, Keenan Allen. I mean, how fast is he? And at the same time, you know, they're facing this salary cap problem. Keenan Allen's got a big dollar figure. You know, do they make some of those strategic changes to the roster to match up with what Kellen Kellen Moore wants on offense? Well, I think they're going to
0: have to change something because he did not have a roster constructed the way he really needs it to construct it to run uh, what they want to run. But again, that's what the off seasons about. You go ask guys that are being paid phenomenal amounts of money, take a pay cut for the good of the team so I can have a chunk of your salary to go get other players to complement your talents. I would never cut Keenan Allen, but I would not pay Keenan Allen $21.7 million, which is what he's on the hook for with the salary cap. it. it Once we get to post-Super Bowl, we'll start talking more about free agency and things of that nature. But I I think that's a really uh,
1: interesting hire. Next topic. Yeah, so we talked a little bit earlier about Bill Belichick. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, a lot of people don't really like him. You know, he's so grumpy in the press conferences. But he is sort of an old-school genius. And it looks like he's finally brought in a real offensive guy to run the offense. Well, this mess is his mess. He
0: did all this. You know, last year he had... Matt Patricia, former defensive coordinator, Joe Judge, former linebacker coach, and fired Giants coach. Those were his co-offensive coordinators. It was a disaster, and they struggled. And Mac Jones blew his lid. He's the second-year quarterback, and, you know, he's an Alabama guy, and he knows offenses, and he had a good rookie season, and he was really upset. The story out there right now is it got so bad at midseason, and they, they just don't have a lot of skill talent there. They got so bad at midseason that Mac Jones got into it with both Patricia and Joe Judge about what you're calling, why you're calling it, why we don't have players, etc. And Belichick did an intervention, and Belichick took away the gameplay calls from Patricia and, and start making the calls himself. Hmm. This is Belichick, a defensive guy, calling plays. So the, they, they unraveled, they struggled, they they got hammered at the end, At you know, non-playoff season, blah, blah, blah. And that's why these changes were made immediately. Uh, Patricia's been demoted. Uh, Joe Judge's contract has expired. I don't know if he's coming back. And they just hired Bill O'Brien. O'Brien had been in New England before. And did did a really good job. And then O'Brien took off and went to be a head coach. Uh, and he was a head coach at Penn State after the Joe Paterno scandal. And did a really nice job. Wound up with the Houston Texans. They developed Deshaun Watson. He made a couple of bad trades, though. And I kind of put him in a hole, and then he got blown out. He has been at Alabama the last couple of years working as Nick Saban's right-hand guy. But everybody had always thought O'Brien was going back. Uh, to New England, and now he finally arrived this week. So, we'll we'll see what they make roster wise from a change standpoint because they don't have a ton of skill guys, and they don't have name running backs. It's kind of running back by committee. But O'Brien's got quite a resume coming in the front door, so this should please Mac Jones, and obviously, the mess Bill Belichick created it. Belichick's responsible for it.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how they were so dominant in the NFC East for like two decades, you know, and now talking about changing of guards, now it's the Bills, now it's the Dolphins, and the Patriots are near the bottom of the list. So um, it's, I'm intrigued to see where this goes. I always had questions about Mac Jones as an NFL talent, a quarterback. I mean, he was great. At Alabama, I think, right? Um, was he going to be a star in the NFL? So far, I don't think we've seen it. Maybe this is going to change things with the new O.C. He had a steady first season. and I saw him probably four times.
0: And I said, I was very impressed. Didn't get rattled in the pocket. Does not turn the football over. Made plays. Made plays down the field. Last year was a disaster. Didn't look like the same quarterback. It obviously wasn't the same offense. They were really poor. So we'll track this Bill O'Brien-Mac Jones relationship
1: going forward. Uh, let's talk about something different. Uh, Hall of Fame's coming up. Yeah, I mean, th- this always happens around this time of the year when we get o- organized for the Super Bowl. Who's going to get in? Who's not going to get in? I mean, we went through it with baseball. Now it's football time.
0: Well, you got the 15 finalists, and Don Coryell is back on that finals list, former Chargers coach. You know, of, of the 15 guys that are on the list, uh, there's probably an automatic right there in Joe Thomas, a legendary Cleveland Browns left tackle. I think mm. he's he, first time on the list f- He'll be the first one to probably get voted in. I bet it's near unanimous. Uh, but, But Coriel's name has been on the list for an extended period of time. And the big issue is the Hall of Fame, it should be for people who did great things. And great things usually equates to wins, losses, Super Bowls. Don Coriel doesn't have much of that on his resume. I mean, he coached the St. Louis football Cardinals after he left San Diego State. Then he coached the San Diego Chargers in the Dan Fouts-Air Coriel era, and they had four or five years of spectacular statistics. But a lot of the tenants that he created, creative genius stuff, mismatches, tight ends, wide receivers, four wides, all that type of stuff, uh, other coaches have developed. They've taken that playbook and expanded it. And Don Coryell still gets credit for a lot of the creative juice he brought to the NFL. But that being said, the reason he's not on the Hall of Fame and the reason maybe he does not get back in this year, his career record was 111 and 83. Never went to the Super Bowl. Never. 111 and 83. His postseason record was only 3 and 6. Um, I don't know if we should have a special category for NFL contributors, because what he did, his playbook is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Tenants of it are all over the place. What he did was create offenses nobody had ever seen before, much like Bill Walsh did with the West Coast offense, create things, and everybody copycats everybody. But in terms of wins and losses, no. I don't know. It's a tough call. Emotionally, he's done so much for the NFL. What he did in that short window of the Dan Fouts era, And Eric Coriel was special, but I just don't know a guy that's one eleven and eighty
1: three deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think he should be in because he was the innovator, he was the influencer, he changed the way the sport was played. And there's not only are other people adapting his playbook, like Kellen Moore calling him out at the press conference, saying we want to bring in that Coriel vibe, but. You know, part of it is—is is he was the coach of the Chargers, which has been cursed for so long. So the fact that he had what limited success he had with the curse tells you he must have been pretty good. I'm well, just joking around with that, but he, this guy was legit. And he's not on the field making the plays. He's the guy on the sideline making the calls, and his calls were brilliant. His team, that window, it was about a five-year window in there absolutely amazing
0: mm-hmm. so we'll see uh, the the vote will be announced on super bowl saturday this coming weekend who gets in we'll see if coach coriel gets in and of course there's a lot of stuff going on off the field as it relates to the rule book john oh
1: yeah so you, i saw some of these in your notes that you share with me there's a lot of really good ideas on this list so let's break them down well jerry jones is proposing an 18 game schedule
0: You know, the the NFL is just having a bonanza of financial success, having expanded the playoffs. That was item one. Going to the 17th game, that's item two. And now there's a push to go to an 18-game schedule. I don't know how the Players Association can accept an 18-game schedule, knowing the terrible price the physical beating players take over the course of a regular season. And we had in this year we had 32 major injuries at quarterback. There's only 32 teams in a league. Some teams had four quarterbacks had to play this year because their guys kept getting hurt. I don't know how you rationalize an 18 game schedule with the roster the way it's constructed. I know, I know the flip side of that is there's a lot more money. It's going to come from an 18 game schedule and the Players Association and the players are going to share with that next truckload that backs up full of dollar bills. But what about the wear and tear factor on players? I don't know where this is going to go. Jerry Jones is projecting an 18-game schedule, reduced preseason to just two games. I don't know if that's doable. Uh, There's an awful lot of conversation about what is roughing the quarterback. It's gone on for probably the last three years. Now they are discussing the use of instant replay as to whether or not that was a blow to the quarterback's head whether it was accidental or whether it was intentional. Did he graze his face mask? Did he hit his face mask? Was it helmet to helmet? Uh, instant replay could help solve that. And what one of the things the, the competition committee is looking at, it'll be discussed going towards the spring meeting, is whether or not we invoke an instant replay challenge where a coach on the sideline now has the ability that my quarterback got hit in a helmet You didn't throw a flag. I'm challenging that call. Now they're they're not going to allow instant replay every time a quarterback gets hit. It's probably got to come from a coach's challenge. I think that's good for the game because there are still an awful lot of hits on quarterbacks. Some of them accidental. Guys get blocked into them. Some of them obviously are intentional. So keep an eye on on that one. Uh, this, This discussion is now five years in the making. Hire an official. That's a sky judge. He becomes the eighth official as part of the game day crew. But he has the ability in the box, in the press box, to intercede, to help the referee and to tell the referee, this is what I saw. This is what you got to do. Pick up this flag or throw this flag after the fact. Sky judge has really become a sticking point argument around the National Football League. And then we have what I'm going to call the San Francisco rule, the emergency quarterback rule. Right now, your game day roster is 46. You can have two quarterbacks on it. You you could have three if you really want to dress three, but you would be short in special teams, et cetera. What they're proposing by virtue of what happened to the 49ers will be three quarterbacks can suit up The only time the third guy can play is if one and two are gone from the game and you can't put those other guys back in. So we would not have a 49er crisis situation as we did in the playoffs.
1: John, those are the rules. What are you voting on? <laughs> um, I, I kind of like some of these ideas. Um, the, the, the whole notion of of carefully defining the, the roughing the passer, I think, is an important thing that they have to clarify. The Sky Judge, I think, is a good one as well. But the one about the 18-game season, I'm trying to figure this out because Back in the day, the Super Bowl used to be in early to, to mid-January. Now, here we are going to have the Super Bowl in mid-February. I mean, if they add this 18th game, I mean, we're getting close to moving the Super Bowl into March Madness. Yeah, but gas used to be 18 cents a gallon when I was a kid growing up. Things do change. Yeah, they do. I, I don't think it's so much a
0: calendar of events. Remember, the preseason will be shortened because mm-hmm. it will only be two preseason games. So, I I just don't know from a, a wear and tear body issue. How this works for the players, unless the players just say, I'll take another payday. But the cost, the cost that's being extracted physically. On football players right now to me it's 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 beyond imagination so that's what the competition committee is is going to look at okay time for fans forum we got people on our live stream probably got some questions along the way and we've got people who of course have joined us on our youtube channel too go ahead john what
1: do you got okay so um, this one is from baller p and he says we raider fans don't like tom brady because of the tuck rule
0: well, yeah, there's a lot of people that probably think about that, but they did change the rule after the snowball incident, the Patriots uh, and, and the then Oakland Raiders. Um, I just I just think it's because Belichick is the one that that got the most value out of Brady. Had there never been a Tom Brady in his life, if they had never given him the opportunity to play in New England, Belichick probably wouldn't be a head coach. He'd probably mm-hmm. have been fired by now. I mean, Belichick's record without Tom Brady as sub 500 with Tom Brady, his record is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in the big picture, aside from the Raider fans' condemnation of the duck rule, <laughs> uh, in the big picture, I, I think there's just dislike of Brady just because he's the reason Belichick is still in the National Football League and was really, really successful.
1: Yeah, I I think you can look at a lot of other things that have happened in the history with Belichick and Brady. I mean, there was the deflate gate, you know, with the balls. Um, There was, uh, you know, that they were spying on the other team's practices. And and so, you know, Belichick and Brady, it sort of like flows to both of them. The hate, even though one might have been orchestrating it and the other one was maybe maybe innocent in the whole thing. But I think in the end, people want to tear down the winner. You know, I remember in the 80s as a Niners fan, I had so many people I knew that hated the 49ers because they were just tired of them winning all the time. So fans are fickle this way. You know how it goes. Okay, that's enough on
0: that. I like Brady. I guess I'm in a minority. That's okay. Next question. What do we got else here?
1: Okay, this is a this is a good one. This is from our um, YouTube channel. This is from Napoleon Madrid. And this was in response to the question of whether the Chargers should cut Keenan Allen, which got phenomenal response on YouTube. And he said, sign, cut, or release, it doesn't really matter. Team will hover around the 500 mark regardless. Bolts need to run the ball and stop the run easy peasy. Well, you're, you're correct in your
0: assessment that, that they, they are deficient in the power run game. I think they're a little bit deficient with with a bunch of warriors in the offensive line. Uh, their run defense has really been substandard. But I think if you, if, if you look at their whole roster athletically, they are a very dynamic football team. And of course they got Justin Herbert, who has just put up unbelievable numbers in his first three seasons in the NFL. But they're going to have to add players to make Kellen Moore's offense work. They also need a stroke of good luck. They've had a so many injuries in the last two seasons alone. I mean, it's just been devastating, notably in the offensive line. And and I don't think this is a physical training thing. These are just football-related contact injuries where I'm blocking you and I don't have the good angle and you overpower me and I tear my pectoral muscle. Or I'm pass blocking here and my center rolls up on the back of my legs and blows my knee out. They are just football-related injuries. But that being said, as, as Kellen Moore said, speed is important. And they're going to go get, I think, speed-wide receivers. And along the way, they have to shed this beach boy this beach boy persona that we're from Los Angeles and Southern California and the sun on the sand. They need a couple of warriors. They need a couple of offensive linemen that are maulers, and they need more physicality at whoever that next running back is to complement Austin Eckler.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about the NFC Championship game, how it was a war in the trenches. And that's where the Chargers are deficient, is being able to power, you know, run a power game. And then you talk about they want speed. You know, the, you often hear speed kills and speed never has, never goes into a slump. You know, So that's a smart way to go. Maybe they get a Tyreek Hill type of player on the outside. There's a lot of athletes out there. They just got to go find him and then hopefully they keep him healthy. Next question, what do we got on the fans forum? Okay, so this is another comment about the Bruce Arians video clip that we did that got tremendous response as well. And this is from Joshua Porter. He says, Bruce can't go back to coaching without the Bucks getting a compensation for him, just like we had to pay to get him. Bruce has no one to blame but himself for leaving us toilet bowls. (laughs) So uh, look in the mirror, uh, B.A. Well, there's a couple of angles to that equation.
0: Uh, It's become an in thing. If I fire my coach and I'm still paying my coach, then you owe me compensation if you'd like to hire my coach. That's an issue because this is about the fourth time it's now happened in modern-day NFL football, as witnessed by what Denver paid a one and a two to get Sean Payton. Uh, I think Arians has a tough time getting this out of his blood. You know, he left the Pittsburgh Steelers to take over Arizona, did really well for a period of time, and then obviously got bounced, and then he wound up in Tampa Bay, did very well, and then obviously it unraveled. Uh, his health issue, to me, is is of supreme concern. He's a two-time cancer survivor. There's been a heart issue there, but yet he can't get this coaching thing out of his blood. My gut feel was that if the word spread at the end of the season, he wanted back in. But he did not talk to anybody, did not interview anybody. I wonder if those teams are saying there's an age factor here, we're not going in that direction, or whether he thought more about it and back, backed away from it. I do know he's really upset at Todd Bowles, and he hand-picked Todd Bowles to be the head coach in Tampa Bay. If you recall a year ago, he was still the head coach as we went through the Super Bowl, and the coaching vacancies filled up, and all the guys were taken. And then after the Super Bowl, he stepped away, mm-hmm. and he went to ownership and said, Todd Bowles deserves it. Well, Bowles took over. It was a miserable season. Injuries. Now, Bowles fires nine assistant coaches on Arians' staff, and Arians is really upset about that. But if he wanted a coach, I would have thought he would have been in the interview process for one of these franchises, and did
1: not happen so there's probably a story behind that story well you commented uh, quite a bit about the wear and tear mentally that these head coaches go through and, the, and you often commented about bobby ross and all the hours he put in how can a guy like bruce arians you know with heart conditions other health issues survive that lifestyle i don't know a lot of guys can't yeah yet they're still
0: employed and they keep doing it you know that the Dick Vermeil stories of mental exhaustion and sleeping in his office three, four days a week. Mm-hmm. That's the way the NFL operates right now. I mean, the, the coaches like Mike Tomlin and Chuck Knoll are few and far between. I want you out of here at 5 p.m. Go home and be with your families. Uh, the stories of Bobby Bethard telling his scouts, you're on the road Monday through Friday. You go everywhere from Stanford to Slippery Rock. I want your home by Saturday to be with your family. Those guys who operate under those standards... Very, very different.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different era in the world of college uh, and pro football. I think, you know, there's all the videotape, all the archival data. you know, got analytics guys crunching numbers. It's, it's a whole other level of analysis. Okay. Any more questions there on our fans' form? We got another one. I thought this was a good comment that was made by a guy named Rock Riley. And he says, Hacksaw, I cover the Bucks here in Tampa, and you are spot on. Impressive. I know what I know and what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh,
0: Clubs clubs can fix their bad seasons fairly quickly, the draft, and not making mistakes in free agency. You do have to have a paintbrush that gives you a little bit of luck with the, with the injury factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why free agency is so important. Even though the salary cap has gone up, players' salaries have gone up. So if you make a mistake on a marquee free agent, boy, you take a bullet. It really sets you back along the way. But... Well, we'll talk more free agency once we get through Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, even just the Chargers signing in the off season with Jackson, that didn't pan out. And that's kind of put a world of hurt on him as well. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, listen, we thank you for being with us on our bonus coverage on a Monday. We invite you multiples of things you need to do. We want you to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you'll get the alerts. We put things up every day now on our podcast. Also, invite you to go to my website. It's all. All written, I think, once you start to read it, you'll get excited about it. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on it every day of the week. We'll be back Thursday with a Super Bowl preview. I don't know if he's wearing green or red uh, when we get to our Super Bowl preview on Thursday. But, John, have yourself a great week. We'll be back Thursday with Hacksaw's headlines on our podcast.
1: Yeah, looking forward. It's going to be a great week. Thanks for being with us, as always.
0: Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you Thursday. Join us again for Hacksaw's headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.